You know, a lot of times in the beginning of a year, you know, preachers will have a word. And I'll tell you the word that, that came to me this year. It came about a month ago. It's funny, it came to me while I was listening to, to a, a sermon, somebody teach, you know, and this word just popped out, and, and I, I listened to the, the, the whole message, and I got done, and I thought the whole message was about this one word that came to me. Then I went and re-listened to the message. I had to strain to even hear that word the second time I heard it, because it, it was just like a minor little thing that they'd said, but it's just like sometimes, you, you know, the Holy Spirit will just implant something in you, and it just goes off like a bomb. And, and, and I know there's even more here than what I know, but the word that, that God spoke to me was trust. He just spoke the word trust to me. You know, what does that word mean to you? To be honest, you know, as I've contemplated it the last couple weeks, there's been times where I've almost been tempted to fear, like, oh no, do I have to trust you for the days ahead? But don't let it be a word of fear. I quickly corrected myself. Because trust is a place of security. Trust is a place that we can have with him that we can walk through anything. Because he's with us. He's with us. Did you hear me this morning? He's with you. Trust. He wants us to draw closer to him by trusting him. You know, you say, well, how do I do this? You know, it's like, it's like Pastor Stephen talking this morning about entering into the secret place. How do I do that? It was good instruction he gave, too. I feel like, you know, when we have service here at Love Church, that's our whole endeavor, is to find that path into that secret place. But trusting him, I'll just tell you this, wherever you're at, start there. Start with what you can trust him. Trust him in the little thing, you know, that you have right now. It might be a big thing in your mind, but whatever way you can find an avenue in, put your trust in him. Trust can grow as you exercise it. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. You guys probably know this, one of my favorites. You know, I always think when I, I was a new Christian, did you ever read the, the Bible before you were saved? Before you were born again? I mean, I did. I have to be honest with you, I got totally confused. I didn't think I was confused, but I look back and I'm like, my goodness, we're, we were from Mars or something. You know? I just didn't get it. I didn't really read it a lot, but a couple times I did. But I remember as a new Christian, I, I, was, I was reading through the whole Bible. And I came across this verse, and it struck me. And I thought, this is incredible. I remember I called somebody up that I had met. You know, I didn't know many Christians, but I, I knew this one guy that I'd met at church that, you know, befriended me. And, and, and um, I called him up. I said, did you know? I, I thought I really had something. I said, did you know this is in the Bible? This is incredible. Did you ever read this? And he was kind of like, he'd been saved a long time, probably like three or four years, you know, seemed like forever to me. It seemed like, man, that guy's, you know, he's got a gray beard or something, you know, in, in the spirit. But, but, but I just read this. It says, trust, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. 
but in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. I'll tell you, that's a key for living. It's a key for living. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. You know, whatever you're facing today, whatever kind of challenges in your life, he'll show you the way to put your trust in him. And what it looks like for you is probably going to look different than it looks like for me or it looks like for your neighbor. You see, because God isn't just this cookie-cutter guy and trust isn't just this cookie-cutter thing that, that, yeah, you just do this and you do that. You know, you hold your right leg up like this and your left hand up. I can only do that for a few seconds. No, I can do it for longer if I try. But, but, but you know, it isn't just like some formula. But trust is a drawing close to him. It's a drawing close to him, not when everything's perfect, although it can be. But trust is a drawing close to him in your current situation right now. It's so fresh. Do you ever notice how fresh he is? You know, as you walk with him, it's like New Year's every day because he's fresh. You know, in the Old Testament, it, what is it, in the book of Lamentations, it says, it says his mercy is new every day. Every morning, his mercy is new. He's fresh. Trust is fresh. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him. He'll give you direction. He'll give you direction today. He'll show you the path. So the thing I, I, I notice about trust is that it takes intentionality. You have to purpose to trust him. It isn't going to necessarily just fall on you, you know, out of the sky. You got a purpose to trust, to put your trust in him. I've noticed this too, that trusting in him is, is a daily, that's a little too broad. It's an hourly it's a minute-by-minute minute choice. It's a choice. Sometimes, you know, you don't have goosebumps. Do you know what I'm talking about? I mean, today everybody has goosebumps. If you don't, step outside, come back in. We'll, you'll have them. But uh, you know what I mean? Spiritually, you don't, you don't necessarily have goosebumps when you trust God. It is a choice. It's like... There's like a, a war for your thoughts, folks. I, I, I know a lot of you know that. There's a war that goes on out there for your thoughts to think, to think the right thing or, you know, or, or you're being persuaded to think things that are contrary to his way. You know, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Acknowledge him in all your ways. He'll direct your path. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 3 through 5, it, it, it's kind of, I read this scripture, and, and really this scripture is kind of like, like, you know, you're at a play or something, and they, they, they pull the curtain back, and you see all the, the props, and you see everything that's going on. That's what this scripture's like in the spirit, okay? This is like pulling back the curtain in the spirit, and you're seeing, oh, and, and the lights came on, and you go, oh, that's what's going on. It says, though I walk in the flesh... We do, not, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty 
in God for pulling down strongholds. Now you can read that, you know, and, and your imagination can go wild with spiritual warfare, strongholds. But the truth is, do you know what a stronghold is? A stronghold is, in context here, is, is a thought pattern. It's, it's common ways that you have of thinking. It's like, okay, an example might be that someone has a poor self-image. They, they have, for many, many years, they have thought certain things about themselves. Those have become strongholds in their life. And then, you know, you start reading the Bible. You start seeing some things that, that you are in Christ. Can I tell you something? We all look a whole lot better in Christ than we do out of him. Okay? So you start seeing some of them things, and you go, it goes contrary to how you've been thinking for maybe since you were a kid. These are things that are strongholds that the Bible's talking about that God's weapons are mighty and can break these things. Are you out there today? There is freedom for all of us. It says, casting down arguments and every, can you say every? Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. All that means is it, it, you know, God's power is there for all of us to get our heads on straight. To start thinking up here like we really are in here. All right, did you hear me? There's, you know, there's, there's ways we can think up here that, that need, they need to line up with who we really are. Psalm 91 we were singing about this this morning. I love singing about, thinking about, talking about the secret place. I want to live there. I want to dwell there. Psalm 91, verse 1, it says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. What does that mean? It means, you know, one way I could say it is this, that we, we live our lives with a, more of a consciousness of Him than we do, you know, the trouble that's facing us. We make God bigger in our thinking than the problems that are confronting us in the world. You know, I've seen times when, when I've seen Christians pray, and their prayers suck the energy out of the room. They, it's like they, they don't have any room for God in their prayers. I'm not saying anybody here, but I've heard this in my life. It's because their prayers become a chance to magnify the devil. What they do is they talk so much of the problem, but by the time they're done praying, praying, praying or praying, their, their, their faith in God has been whittled down to nothing. Say amen or oh me. Anyway. Um, but we can live our lives with the consciousness of God. It says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Verse 2 says, I'll save the Lord. He's my refuge, my fortress, my God. In Him I will trust. Surely He'll deliver me from the snare of the fowler and the perilous pestilence. So that word trust just jumps out at me as I read this verse. And what I'm seeing is this, is that trust is a part 
of us living in the secret place. It's a component of us taking our stand in that place in God, taking our stand in his presence. Trust is like that doorway to get into that place. Are you seeing what I'm saying this morning? You out there today? How about online? You guys out there? I'm speaking to you today, too. I know it's cold out there. And we're no condemnation for pulling the blanket up tight today. If I could, I'd give everybody here a blanket. But we did turn the heat up. And, we, you know, we all know. All right. So trusting God. Trust in the Lord. That's what I'm talking about this morning. Trusting in the Lord. Psalm 20, verse 6 through 8. Just thinking about trust. You know, it's, 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 it is that choice. There's other things that present themselves that try to vie for our attention, you know, and, and, and try to vie for our trust. But we want to put our trust in the Lord. It says in verse 6, it says, Now I know the Lord saves his anointed. He'll answer him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we'll remember the name of the Lord our God. They've bowed down and fallen, but we've risen and stand upright. You see, it's important that we have our trust in the right place. Now, they talked about horses and chariots, and, you know, I don't know anybody here that rode a horse and chariot to church this morning. If you did, I think we'll pray for you because you're probably frozen. But... Um, Horses and chariots aren't wrong. It's just wrong to have your trust in them other than in God. Are you hearing me this morning? So, you know, there's a number of things. It could be horses and chariots. There's a number of things that, that could vie for our, our trust. And, and, you know, one of them would even be self-trust, you know? Sometimes we can have so much confidence in ourself. And, you know, believe me, I'm not against having confidence but have confidence in the Lord. Have confidence in who he's made you. You know, I, I, I think that's what we need to do, but, but not in our own strength and our own power. In Luke 18, there's a scripture here that, that uh, is spoken of in the Gospels. It says in verse 9, it's talking about two men that came to pray. And also he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves, that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed. Do you hear that story? This sounds like a joke. Two men went up to pray, a Pharisee and a tax collector. I mean, you know. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. Extortioners. He's probably looking at the tax collector right then. Unjust, adulterers, and even as this tax collector, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I possess. So this is what the man said. This was his entrance into the kingdom. Are any of those things bad? No, they're not bad. Fasting's not bad. You know, it's good for, for people to fast, to, you know, take time away and put things aside and put their focus on God. You know, it should be a practice that we have. Tithing, is tithing wrong? No, tithing's not wrong. Tithing's good. I mean, I've been a tither since before I was a pastor. As soon as I was a Christian, I started tithing. You know, I didn't know a whole lot. I didn't even know what it all meant, but I thought, 
I want everything God has, and I just started doing it. It's just the way I've lived. But I'll tell you what, anything you put your trust in other than the Lord is a recipe for you to fail. Even good things, even good things. It says, so the tax collector stood, af uh, stood afar off and wouldn't so much as raise his eyes to heaven. But he beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you this, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now, I don't want you to stand out there today and say, hey, I'm a sinner, because I believe this, you've been saved by grace, and you've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. But any righteousness that we have isn't based on what we've done. Our righteousness is solely based on what Jesus did for us. Jesus was just drawing attention to this, that you can have trust in the wrong thing. Even if it's right things, you can put your trust in the wrong things. Everybody there yet? Money. 1 Timothy 6.17 says, Command those that are rich in this present age not to be haughty or trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Now, let me ask you this question. Are riches wrong? Riches are not wrong, okay? Don't go burn all your money. Like Pastor Stephen says, uh, you know, shove it in the, the, the giving box in the back of the church. Yeah, I'll tell you this. One time, somebody came up to me. This was quite a few years ago came up to me, and, and they, they had a confession at the end of service. They said they'd left an offering in the church, and they left it in a Cheetos box. And, and they said they just wanted to leave it and just have somebody find it in the church. But they thought, well, we better t I better tell you in case, you know, you throw it away or something. So we went and found the Cheetos. It was one of them containers, like a Pringles can, but it was a Cheetos can. And it was full of silver. I think there was some gold in it, too. So that was cool. So we're not against that, okay? Um, said, cool, you can leave Pringles around or Cheetos around anytime. It's fine. Um, but the, the command here was to those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, here's the one, or to put trust in, in uncertain riches but in the living God. Which riches are uncertain? Any riches are uncertain, okay? God is the stability, so it's not wrong to have money, but it's wrong to put your heart on your money. It's wrong to put your trust on your money. Your security is in him. Proverbs eleven twenty eight. it says, He who trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like foliage. Then in Mark 10, Jesus said this, he, he looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and said to them, children, how hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. I find it interesting that the disciples were astonished when Jesus said, it's hard, how hard is it for a rich person to enter into heaven? You know, the only reason I can really think of that they'd be astonished is that they probably had some riches themselves. They did have lucrative businesses before they started following Jesus. These, you know, these people had some success, I'm sure. But Jesus said, 
again, he qualifies it. It isn't the riches that keep people out, but it's putting trust in uncertain riches. All right, go with me to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel, trust. You know, I don't know everything the next year has in store. Actually, I look forward with great excitement and anticipation of what God is going to do. But whatever is in store in the days ahead, in the days of this year, I'll tell you, there is a place of security to walk through it, and it's trusting God. It's letting our trust be in him. David, in 1 Samuel 17, all right, the story is, is this. Uh, the armies of Israel were at war with the armies of Philistine. Philistine put out a champion, a man named Goliath. This guy was a warrior. Not only that, he was a giant. And the, the, the challenge that was given is, is, you know, pick yourself a champion, you know, for Israel to pick out a champion and come and, and do battle with this Goliath, the Philistine. And, and uh, every day... You can read this in 1 Samuel 17. Every day, the Goliath, the giant, would come and speak threatening words to the armies, and those words carried weight. And it said that as the, the people of Israel heard those words, it struck fear in their hearts, okay? And, and uh, you know, they were trembling. They were, they, were, they were in a tiz. David is a young shepherd boy, his brothers had all gone off to be in, in this, this war. And David's dad, Jesse, uh, gave David a, a commission. He says, I want you to go and bring lunch to your brothers. It's kind of a strange thing in my thinking. You know, we think of war as being off in some other place, but it wasn't. So he packed up some cheese sandwiches and brought them to his brothers. And he gets there and he hears all the same stuff. But uh, here, I'll just pick it up in verse 31. It says, the things David was saying uh, were picked up. See, David just said, hey, you know, our, our, our Israel serves the living God. Who can stand against us? I'll tell you, this giant is nothing compared to God. You know, David had a perspective that we need to adapt. You know, you may not face a, a physical giant, but I'll tell you what, there's other giants that confront us in this world. And David just was of the opinion that it doesn't matter how big he is, it doesn't matter how much of a champion he is, God is God, and I'm on the winning side. And so the things that David was saying were, were picked up and reported to Saul. And Saul was the king, and he sent for him. And in verse 32, it says, Master, said David, don't give, don't give up hope. I'm ready to go and fight this Philistine. It probably looks silly, you know. David, young lad, you know, had no experience at war. Saul answered, David, you can't go fight this Philistine. You're too young, inexperienced, and he's been fighting. He's at this fighting business since before you were born. David said, I've been a shepherd tending sheep for my father. When a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I'd go after it, knock it down, and rescue the lamb. I don't know about you, but that would be quite a challenge. If you're out there tending the sheep and a lion or a bear came up, you see, this was no small thing in my mind, but it was a step in David's life of trusting God. I remember one time being confronted by a bear. 
we, I used to work for Billy Graham, most of you know that, and uh, every year I'd get the privilege of you know going on a couple trips and we'd go up uh, either to a crusade or a, what they called a school of evangelism. There was a particular school that I did every year. It was in, it was in this place called Lake Louise in Canada. It was a beautiful place. And uh, we'd go up there and we'd, we'd have this event that would take place for about 10 days. And uh, the very first day we'd get up there, usually we'd get settled in and we'd have kind of a free day. And this particular day, this is up in the Canadian Rockies. And, and uh, you know, it snows out and all this stuff. It's, it's, a, it's a really epic looking place. But we're, we're, a couple of us got in the car and we were going to go to this town. It was called Banff and have dinner. So we got in and we're driving and we see these big signs that say, beware of grizzlies. And we actually stopped in a store and we mentioned the signs and they said, oh yeah, there's been some grizzly bear sightings. And, and we said, really? Wow. And, and so we're driving on our way. You know, we left the store. We're on our way. And, and, and we see, like, some cars pulled over on the side of the road. And what we did, we stopped, too. And sure enough, there was a grizzly bear. And he was, like, probably, like, from, from me to the, the information counter out there. And he, it was a railroad tracks. And, and he stood up. It was just, like, so picturesque. He just stood up and did one of these numbers, you know. And, and we jumped out of the car immediately and started taking pictures and said, wow, and this is the stupidest thing in the world to do. Don't ever do that at home. But we did, and we got back in the car. We went to Banff, and we had dinner. And it was me, and, and, and it was the head guy of the whole operation was with me. And, and, and this was a day, too. It was like the early 90s. And cell phones weren't as big a thing back then as they were now. In fact, they issued you know, a few of us cell phones on this trip, they actually had to give us a class. It took about 45 minutes to learn how to operate a cell phone. Can you believe that? That's how, how new these things were to all of us. And being it was, you know, with Mr. Graham, Billy Graham, you know, the, 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 the tone of the company was always to be low-key, you know. Mr. Graham always liked things to be low-key. And so we were given instructions if we use our cell phones to go into a phone booth and use them, not to be flashing them around at the airport and stuff, you know. You know, it was like a privilege we had to use them, you know, a big deal. And so we're driving. We went to had dinner, and we're, we're driving back on this this country road. It was, it was really, it was kind of an off-road. It was the scenic route. In fact, it was the same road that we'd driven on the way to the restaurant, and we saw the grizzly bear. And we're right in the middle of nowhere, and, and our car conked out. It just, it died. And what had happened, we didn't know this, but we'd driven over like this, this bridge that had like a cattle thing on it to keep the cattle from crossing it. And the vibration it did some kind of a safety thing on our, our fuel injector, and this is my explanation, this is what they told me eventually, but we didn't know, so we're stranded out there on this road, and I'm telling you, it was beautiful, you could see the skies, the stars were amazing, but the thought was coming into our mind that we were on this road a couple hours ago, and there was a grizzly bear, so we're like, oh my goodness, so we called back at the hotel, and woke up another person that was with our team, and said, you need to come out here and rescue us. The very thought of a grizzly bear out there was just, I mean, it was making us shake. But finally, we had the thought to call the uh, car rental place. 
And we told him what, you know, our situation, we explained it to him as much detail as we could. And the guy said, just go in the trunk and there's like this little box on the side with a button and you can push it. And we went and did it. It was like a reset button and it, sure enough, our car worked. But we got done, though, like I said, the, the head guy was with me and, and he said to me, he says, Paul, if I ever get flack from the board about using cell phones, have I got a story for them? I'm telling you. Anyway, so David, he ran up to a, a lion and a bear and grabbed him by the, the hair of their chinny-chin-chin and, and said, hey, I, he took him down. And he says, I'll do the same thing to this Philistine pig who's taunting the troops of God alive. God who delivered me from the teeth of the lion and the claws of the bear will deliver me from the Philistine. And Saul said, go and God help you. I can hear that. <laughs> Saul outfitted David as a soldier in armor, and he put his on his bronze helmet on the head and belted his sword uh, on him over the armor, and David tried to walk, and he could hardly budge. David told Saul, I can't even move with all this stuff on me. I'm not used to this, and he took it all off. Now, here's the thing. Is every time you have a victory with God, I'm telling you what, it puts you into a new place of trust. And I'll tell you, a, a, a recipe for success is to routinely review how faithful God's been in your life. The times that he's brought you through these encounters with the grizzly or the bear or the lion might not have been in that form, but I'm telling you, every time you've come through it, it's victory. It's victory. The story goes on. Most of you know it. David went out with nothing but a sling and took down the giant. He won a victory not for himself, but for all the people around him. And basically, it boils down to this. His trust was in God. His trust was in God. It's the word God spoke to me this year. It's trust me. Put your trust in the Lord. Take time and recall his goodness in your life, his faithfulness. It'll strengthen your trust. Mark 4, verse 35. You know, um, it's one thing to trust God when everything's going good. It's one thing to trust him when the sun is shining, temperatures are good. It's one thing to trust God when there's money in the bank, food on the table, bodies feeling tip-top. But there's other times in life when trust gets put to the test. And it's really when it counts. Mark 4.35, it says, On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, Let's cross over to the other side. And when they left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him, and a great windstorm arose. Waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. Uh, verse 38, it says, But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And they woke him and said, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? You see, you ever had those times when the storm is raging? 
And Jesus, it seems like, is asleep on the ship. Trust in him. Trust in him. Let's pass over to the other side. Grab on to the things that, 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 you know, that God has spoken to your heart. I love the word that Kelly shared this morning. Sometimes God will speak a word to you. And days go by, weeks go by, years go by. And it doesn't seem like that word is coming to fruition. Trust in God. Don't let go of your hope. Don't let go of your trust. Jesus was awoken and, and he stood up in the ship. He says, he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? They feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Isn't that amazing? You know, you can get more done from a place of rest and trust than you can a place of anxiety. A couple more scriptures I'm just going to read and then we'll close. Isaiah 30, 15, it says, Thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, In returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. Then in 2 Samuel 22, verse 30, it says, For by you I can run, through, run against a troop, and by my God I can leap over a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He's a shield to all who put their trust in him. For who is God except the Lord, and who is a rock except our God? Whatever this year brings, and I, I'm believing for the best, but whatever it is, your trust in him will be a shield around you. Your trust in him will be your strength. Your trust in him will be the strong ground that you can stand on no matter what's going on around you.